few weeks ago, I was lying on the floor of my office pretending to meditate with tears running down my face. I wasn't actually meditating. Really, I was just escaping the persistent feelings of overwhelm, dread, and paralysis that I'd been experiencing for days. I knew something was up. And that's when I decided to get to the bottom of this, to find out why I was so burned out. Welcome to Think About This. I'm Alexis Dean, and I am so glad you're here. For years, I've been building a community to support high-performing, high-impact, wildly generous women entrepreneurs. Yet over the past couple of months, I've had dozens of conversations with entrepreneurs who are feeling completely burned out or on the verge of burnout, just like me. It's something we're thinking about, but we're not talking about it. So many of us have been at what Brene Brown describes as surge capacity for months and months on end. And whether or not your business is succeeding, you're likely feeling the mental and emotional effects of the pandemic too. Burnout has been described as an epidemic of our times. So this season, listen in as I pull back the curtain and talk to experts who can help entrepreneurs like you and I to better understand burnout and stress cycles and improve our mental wellness so that we can continue to live our big dreams and build impactful legacies. I hope that sharing my journey will show you that you too can give yourself permission to raise your hand. And if this is the case for you, to say, I'm not okay and ask for the help you need. On this episode, we're talking about burnout and food. How, what, and when to eat when you're burned out or stressed out. This is part two of a two-part episode. So if you haven't heard the first half from last week, which is season two, episode three, go check it out. If you're anything like me and eating or stress starving or not eating is one of your go-to habits for dealing with stress, then this episode is for you. A few weeks ago, I was out on a walk with my friend nutritionist Irene Pace talking about my experience with burnout. She shared with me that so many of her high-performing entrepreneur and executive clients are in the same boat right now, and that most of them are using food as a coping mechanism to manage their stress. Whether they're not eating all day and then pounding back a bag of licorice at midnight, or they're like me, and they're quote-unquote good all day, and then they find themselves defeated by a bag of chips calling to them from the pantry, their relationship with food is impacting their emotional state for better or for worse. I decided to invite Irene to be a guest on the show, not because you and I don't know how to eat healthy food, I'm guessing we're both pretty good at googling and reading, but most of us do really know what we should be eating for optimal health. This episode is not about creating the perfect meal plan, and it is definitely not about calorie counting, weighing every ounce of food you eat, dieting, restriction, or deprivation, or just trying really hard to eat healthy food. On the second half of this two-part episode, you'll learn the three different types of hunger and how to approach them, how to respond to an internal call to a need, the third P in the three P stages, how to stop restricting yourself and set truly loving guardrails, Three guiding questions for making decisions around popular eating plans and training plans, like weighing all your food and hashtag 75 hard, and more. Let's dive in. I need to eat to perform. So when the demands on me are greater, I need to eat more to perform. And it was this subconscious system, this subconscious connection that was driving her eating in a way that never really made sense to her until we looked back at and discovered like, where does this philosophy come from? It comes from, you know, and then the colliery of that is if I don't eat, I fail, Mm, right? mm -hmm. Like if I don't eat, I can't be successful. If I don't eat, I'm not going to perform, which of course 
again, adaptive at the time she needed it, maladaptive now. So we need to upgrade these mindsets around food to fit with what is going on in your life now. And that switch can be really powerful when you start to discover what these things that are driving your eating are. Yeah, that's huge. And the the varieties of head hunger and the beliefs we have. And I think, you know, a lot of high performers, adult, high performing adults were high performing youth, which means probably a lot of us were athletes or performers of some sort. And so those head hunger cues or, or rules or shoulds or whatever, yeah, it makes sense that they would be trailing us. Like I just had a total aha moment about that as well, because I was an athlete as a kid and a a young woman and probably some of those same things still exist in my head where like the night before I'm going to have a workshop or I'm leading a session or whatever it might be. I actually do think that I probably am overfueling because something in my head is like, well, you want to have a really good day tomorrow. You want that, whatever it is, the workshop or the talk or whatever you're doing to go really well. You better have like a big nourishing meal that like maybe you don't need to have a thousand calorie dinner the night before. Thanks. Yeah. Wow. Oh my gosh. So we've got stomach hunger. We've got head hunger. Is there another type of hunger or are those the two? There is. There's a third type of hunger, which you touched on the emotional hunger, which I call heart hunger. Mm. So this one, right? Heart hunger. And this can be, um, this one shows up. There's usually a feeling of need around it. Oftentimes when you get the pull to food and it's really intense, it tends not to be the stomach or the stomach hunger usually comes on a little more gradually. That really intense pull, oftentimes there's a good chance it's an emotional pull. So you have this shift of something emotionally going on and it can be anything, Alexis, from, you know, stress, it can be tiredness, it can be boredom, which is when I've heard a huge amount over this kind of lockdown time that people are boredom eating. They're filling that gap with food. It can be, um, it can be sadness. It can be the other one that shows up here a lot with my kind of high performing folks is this sense of rewarding yourself. Like food Mm. is a reward. Food is a treat. Food is how I celebrate. Food is a marker that I'm successful, that I can, you know, I can treat myself with this, especially Mm -hmm. if there was some kind of history of, Um, you know, if your past included a a lack of access to food at some point, now I've made it. So in order to celebrate and demonstrate to myself that I have succeeded, I can eat whatever I want. I can eat the luxurious types of foods. Yeah, the rich stuff like the expensive cheeses or the really big charcuterie tray that is meant for 10 people that do share. (laughs) <laughs> never seen that happen before for <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, heard about that once yeah or this is another place where wine or or alcohol shows up too right it's right. this sense of like i of celebration being connected to food or drink mm-hmm. or something like that so with the emotional one the exploration here can feel um you know it can feel a little tricky because part of the stories that we hold are around the kind of suck it up, like, mm-hmm. right. Uh, I'm, if I don't emote, I'm a better, <laughs> I'm somehow a more capable, stronger human in some oh, way, which yeah. is 
right? Oh my gosh. That is like a whole other podcast. I'm sure. But like the number of entrepreneurs who are like having a balanced emotional state is the most important. I'm like, but you seem flat. Like, have you lost your soul? But there's, yeah. Like if I don't emote, I am stronger. I am better. I am a better leader. And it's like, no, you just seem really disconnected and flat, but like, okay, I guess if you believe that. Yeah. And again, it's, it's born out of some point in your life. Like what is the message I took away from my childhood about food? What is the message I took away from my upbringing about emotion, about um, expressing myself, about looking after my needs? And am I a burden? And is me wanting things burdensome? Like all of these things are so connected to food. Mm -hmm. So really doing this work to get at what is my eating at the effect of what are all of the things that are kind of pushing and pulling at my food here. And sometimes, sometimes uncovering those things and seeing them is enough to make a massive shift. Mm. Uh, Sometimes we see them and then we recognize them. And then we know there's work to do to rewire these deeply kind of grooved patterns in our brain. And then it becomes neurological exercises. So when you feel that pull to food, you recognize that it's showing up because I'm dysregulated in some way. My ner- This is a nervous system response. I am attaching meaning to it. I am attaching to it that this means I need to throw food at this thing, right? Because that's mm-hmm. what I've always done. So there's an uncoupling of what those dysregulated moments uh, mean. And do they mean I have to eat or could they possibly mean something else? Can I rewire it so that this kind of dysregulated state could mean something different? And, um, And it takes experimenting really to get to the bottom of what it is that is going to fulfill the need you have, because the pull to food is a need for something. It's a calling for something, right? And so instead of ignoring it, which is what a lot of the traditional diet advice asks us to do, we really move to recognizing and honoring whatever it is that's there. And instead of reacting to it with the default pathway, throwing some food at it or whatever other thing it might be. And, you know, insert scrolling your phone, insert drinking, insert like online shop, retail therapy, insert whatever the thing is that shows up when you have that pull to food um, or that pull to something. If we can learn and recognize that this is what's going on. And I am capable of building a different pathway here in terms of what my response is, instead of reacting to this thing with a historical map of how to react, I can now create this kind of pause and respond to what my need is in the moment by kind of tuning in and saying, listen, something's going on here. I need something. Let's just look at what this might be. And it doesn't have to be this huge, like, Oh, I need to go and take a bath or I need to, you know, like now I need some- an extra two hours in my day yeah. to go and meet this need where, you know, I could just snarf a bunch of chips and then I'd feel better in 10 minutes. Now here I have to like find time to go for a big hike. Or yes. yes. <laughs> and now is this where the permission step comes in with the pull pause permission? Is this where we're kind of looking at like, once we might identify in the pause, like what type of hunger this is, like, yeah, we're not 
all able to just go off and take a bath or do a big hike in the middle of our day. What are some of the ways that we handle this better? Like, what are some things we can actually do with this? And, and how do we give ourselves permission? Yeah. So um, the permission piece is, piece is a really key piece here. Like the permission piece to say, okay, I recognize where I am. I have this pull to food. Maybe you go through the little wheel. You say, okay, what's going on for me? And, you know, to give you a look at what this looks like. So you're not thinking I need to carve another two hours in my day. It's like, right. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> like, and the pull to food can be, I literally have my hand on the fridge door. I'm like, oh, okay. Pull to food is here. Like I'm about to eat this thing. So hello pull. And I do like a little hand action to make it that much more, you know, bring you that much more present. Hello pull. Okay. What's going on for me right now? So in that pause, you can create some distance for yourself. So I would let go of the fridge door and maybe walk into a different room for a moment just to give some space and say, okay, here's the pause. What's going on for me right now? Is this stomach hunger, head hunger, heart hunger in the moment? I can usually pretty quickly, I can say, okay, like this is heart hunger. What we can build, I have some other tools that we use to kind of build out on that. We probably won't go into them here, but, um, you know, we can expand on what we do with that, but recognizing it, what's going on for me right now. Okay. I'm, I'm procrastinating. I have this project sitting on my computer that I need to do. And eating seems like a really great way to not do it and create some space for myself. Maybe I'm actually really feeling totally overwhelmed in that capacity here. Like mm -hmm. I don't want to do the project because I'm just like, I don't have the capacity for it right now. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to eat. Um, so the, whatever that piece is that's going on for you, over time, we kind of co-create this list of things that, you, that feel good to you instead of food. And the key is, it's not a punishment. Don't pick something that you hate, right? Pick something that actually feels like it's going to feel nourishing to you in some way. So um, it could be as simple as, um, you know, sending a quick note off to a friend or, you know, taking a moment to read like a couple pages of a magazine you enjoy, or it could be taking a quick walk and the walk doesn't have to be like, we, we think it needs to be like a two hour hike in the wilderness, right? It can mm. be literally like walk up and down the stairs in your house two or three times. If you can get some fresh air, go out and walk around the block, like two minutes three minutes. It doesn't have to be big. What you're doing is shifting the emotional state in some way other than food in that moment, right? Mm -hmm. The other thing you can do is as you begin to learn and recognize that really what's going on here is this dysregulation. There's a few little ways to kind of reset your nervous system. That can be some breathing exercises. So you can get complicated with it, or you can just take a few deep, really deep kind of belly breaths. Um, it can be cold water. So either drinking, having a drink of cold water, um, running your hand under some running cold water, hmm. splashing your face with cold water. This is a way that gives kind of a quick nervous system reset. Um, so you kind of build out an experiment with what you do instead of, instead of eating. Now the give permission part here is you give yourself permission to eat the food if you need to. So food is always an option on the table. Ha ha. There's a little nutritionist <laughs> joke, um, <laughs> but yeah, 
food is always an option. And if you let it be an option, the magic of what happens there, well, what do you think happens? If you truly, truly give yourself permission to eat the food, what do you think, where do you think that goes? I think it becomes much uh, more conscious and you probably just don't eat the entire bag or like as much of it as you might because you're actually enjoying it. And you're saying like, this is not the worst thing to happen and I am going to enjoy it and I'm not going to like hide it or be like sneaky about it or, you know, feel like I'm such a horrible person and then try to eat to make myself feel like such a less of a horrible person because yeah. of eating. <laughs> which is this funny little cycle like, oh gosh, I'm so ashamed. What a, and I have this like word in my head, which is shvinka, which I think was like maybe from my great grandmother, maybe repeated by my grandmother at some point love her this is not a knock on her because i know my family listens to this but that it's like the word for pig in polish and you know in the back of my head i think like anytime i'm like overindulging or like i'm emotionally eating it's like oh you're such a shvinka and then i feel badly and then i eat more because i'm feeling badly and then it's just like <laughs> yes yeah how wonderful are we to ourselves here <laughs> well and it's such a it and i you know i love that you brought that up because most when you have food as a thing that you have a challenge with you have some version of your shvinka story right like it's there did i say that right yeah, um, yeah. okay there's yeah. some version of that and what happens is you've got all of these weights hanging off of this food thing that you're trying to change. So by giving permission, like you can imagine yourself like uncoupling and dropping off all of this extra weight. You don't need the guilt. You don't need the shame. You don't need those old stories. You don't need the beating yourself up. Hang on to them if you want to. You can always go back to that anytime you want. What I will tell you is you like to achieve things. You like to be successful and those things slow you down. So if you want to fast track your way through your change in your eating, let those things go. And you're going to have to let them go again and again and again. And if letting them go feels too hard, ask them to take a seat. So you're not banishing them. You're just saying, I see you. You're there. Thank you. You served me well at some point in my life. I don't need you right now. Have a seat right over here in this pretty fluffy pink chair will just tuck you in off to the side. And I'm going to bring, you know, curiosity to the table here. Let's get in discovery mode, see what's going on for me. Let's experiment and try some things. What if I do that? What if I do that all the way along knowing if I want the freaking food, I can go back and have the food any moment I want, because it is my choice to do that. Not anybody else's choice. It's mine. I can eat what I want, when I want, as much as I want, my choice, and I can do it anytime. And the power of that, the power that that takes away from the food, the control the food seems to have over you can mm -hmm. be really, um, really surprising and allow you to move through some of this stuff with a lot more ease than you think might be possible. Yeah. I mean, I know this is more than like an hour long conversation and you do this work with people because it's like one thing to hear it once and try practicing it. It's another to like get immersed and, and actually 
see you every week or every couple of weeks or whatever the schedule might be. But even just hearing that, like what has, you know, quote unquote worked for me and probably hasn't actually worked for me is just straight up trying to force abstinence. So like I've done 75 hard. I do like right now I'm on, I'm doing like a 300 kilometer challenge. I'm not cutting any food groups specifically, but I'm not drinking alcohol and I'm drinking a gallon of water a day. Yeah, that's super extreme. But when I've done 75 hard or when I've done like more, you know, like I'm not eating carbs or I'm not eating sugar or whatever, whatever that time period is, like for Lent, I've given up chocolate and alcohol. Like as soon as Lent is over or as soon as that period is over, it is like chip season. (laughs) And then I'm just right back to the same behavior. And then I'm right back to that same feeling of guilt and shame. And I hear that little voice in my head, like, oh, you're such a little schfinka. Like you just couldn't get it together, could you? And like just that, like the idea that we can be okay with it and like maybe set the shame aside for for a minute and experiment with what it's like to be able to have that food it's kind of foreign (laughs) it's foreign yeah sure it's foreign and and the other piece you know to speak to the the what you just shared about you know 75 hard or these Mm -hmm. setting up these rules for yourself there is a place for those things too so what you're doing here what the you know, what the end goal is here is really two things. One, to expand your toolbox. Right now you have food in your toolbox. You may have a couple of other things. Maybe it's booze and and shopping or something, but Mm -hmm. it's to expand the toolbox to include more things, Mm -hmm. right? So we're expanding the toolbox in terms of what tools can we use to respond to whatever is coming up for us in that moment of pull to food? What, What can we do? Expand the toolbox. The other thing is recognizing that um, what's going on in that moment is some nervous system dysregulation. So if we can do things that feel calming, loving, safe, supportive to ourselves in that moment, we will reset and re-regulate in a way that allows us to move through the craving in a, with a greater sense of control over what's going on. So by re-regulating, you get your control back. And there's lots of different ways to regulate and they're very unique. And they're, they're something that a lot of this exploration comes down to figuring out and kind of co-creating this plan for each individual to be like, what are the things that help me to regulate again and bring me back into control of this? Now, back to the toolbox thing. One of the things that can be in your toolbox is what I call, you know, instead of rules, let's call these loving guardrails right? Mm. So I have clients that use a loving guardrail that says, you know, nothing good happens when I eat after eight o'clock. So I have a loving guardrail that says the kitchen is closed at eight. Obviously with the kind of loving approach to this, there's flexibility in that. So there are the occasional times that we eat after eight o'clock, but for the most part, it is safe. It eliminates them having to make the decision about eating at 10 o'clock because they just have a loving guardrail at eight that it's like, I'm going to love myself by closing the freaking kitchen at eight. And it's not punitive and it's not restrictive and it's not you know, hand slaps and chains on the fridge because you can't control yourself. It's, this is the kindest, most loving thing I can do for myself. One of mine, you know, when you sign up for Costco and they have like that free, you you get that coupon for the free bag of chocolate almonds. Like, oh gosh, no, okay. I didn't know that. I I I, I had I a membership know. and I didn't get that. 
Well, maybe it was the timing of my membership. Yeah. It happened a couple of times in a row. And it was like, they give you this ginormous, like Costco size bag of chocolate almonds. Oh my gosh. And I, and I got it home one day and I was like, this is in my house. I am going to eat it. Let's see how many calories are in this bag of chocolate almonds. It was oh. 8,000 calories of chocolate almonds. So I was just like, okay, you know, there's a couple of choices I could make here. I'm an adult. I could just eat through the whole bag until it's gone. And then I know it's gone and I don't have to worry about it. Right. Like, cause we do that to ourselves. Like I'm going to start addressing my snacking tomorrow because there's, you know, leftover pie today. So when the pie has gone, then I'm going to, or there's half a bag yeah. of Vicky's still up in the cupboard. So yeah. I'm going to start changing my eating tomorrow. Don't worry about that. Yeah. Later. Yeah. After I finish them. <laughs> we'll do that later. Um, or I could, you know, the, the kindest, most loving thing for me to do for myself is not bring the freaking bag home. Like, that's just like why it, it's unkind for me to put myself in the path of having to make the decision not to have those things over and over and over and over again. So there's a lot of ways you can use what you might've thought of in kind of a diet mindset, restricting or disallowing, or, you know, you re it's a, it's a mindset shift. It's a shift around how do you approach those things? I'm not doing this because it's punitive. I'm doing it because it's just the kindest thing for me to do for myself. It's like, you're a recovering alcoholic. Are you really going to leave open bottles of booze sitting around the house all day long? Like that would be a really unkind thing for you to do for yourself in the midst of a change like that. So it's not forever. You know, maybe at some point the chocolate almonds don't have the same pull for me and I can bring the big bag home right now. The kindest thing for me to do for myself when I'm in high stress, when I'm locked down at home, when I know I'm just so burnt out and I don't have the capacity, let's not put those things in our path to do more harm to ourselves and um, allow yourself to see that not bringing the bag home is you loving yourself. Like this is an act of kindness for myself. This is a way I care for myself. And this is like a loving guardrail I'm gonna put in place for now um, around this thing to relieve myself of having to make that decision about it again and again and again. Yeah, I love that. I love the, like, and it's, it kind of reminds me of Steve Jobs relieving himself of the decision of what to wear every day. And like for myself, like I had a friend suggest that maybe I was like self-punishing by doing my like 300 kilometer challenge. I'm like, no, it just takes away the decision of like, am I going to run this week? Am I going to run a couple times or gonna, am I going to run five days? And for me, it's like, I feel good when I run. So if I do something that's going to get me out there five days a week running, even if it's only a few kilometers a day, that's like a loving guardrail for me because it just like it removes the question of like will I run in the rain or will I not will I go out when I don't really feel like it but like I know I'm gonna feel better afterwards or will I not like I think it's just yeah anything that removes having to overthink about it or overdwell on it and just yeah I love that framing of the loving guardrail for yourself and I yeah, guess like, as you were saying, like 75 hard, would that be the same kind of thing? I mean, 75 hard is kind of extreme for anyone who's listening, who's not familiar. You can just look up the hashtag number 75 hard. You'll see a ton of people out there doing it. Um, but yeah, what are, what are your thoughts around some of those more restrictive uh, challenges or diets or anything like that? 
Yeah, it's such an individual thing, Alexis, like even what you've just shared about this 300 kilometer thing, right? For, mm-hmm. for, for others, it would be, it would be restrictive and it wouldn't be a kind thing for them to do for themselves. Mm-hmm. So this is part of where I kind of outside eyes and having a place to air some of these things can help you help you really honestly ask those questions for yourself. Like, one of the tools in the toolbox is what's the kindest loving thing I can do for myself. And that can be in the moment of food choice too, right? When you've, you've gone through the action of greeting the pull, you've created a pause for yourself. You've done a couple of breaths or taken a sip of water and you're deciding like, do I eat the thing or do I not? And in that moment, a lot of times asking that question, what's the kindest, most loving thing I can do for myself? If the most loving part makes you kind of barf in your mouth, you can eliminate that. Cause for some people it's just like, it's just, this is just too much love. This is just too much self-love right now. But you can just say, what's the kindest thing I could do for myself right now? Is it eat the thing? Is it not eat the thing? And sometimes it is eat the thing. It's like, I am in, uh, you know, uh, uh, massive moment of heightened it. Like I, this is, this is intense for me and I need to bring it down. I'm at capacity and I know this is going to work for me. The kindest thing for me to do for myself is just eat the thing and move through this next time I might choose something else, but that's a way to get at this. So when you're exploring with things like that 300 kilometer, or you're looking at a diet or you're looking at something like a 75 hard, do some reflection for yourself or even hash it out with a friend and just say, I'm thinking of doing this and I just need to talk. Some of us do better talking through our stuff, right? Like we air it verbally and to hear ourselves say it and come to, you know, a solution, our cognitive processing works better if we talk through it or if we do it while we're walking or moving or something. Um, look at, ask that question and say, is this a kind thing for me to do for myself? Or is this really, is the energy behind this really punitive? Is it punishment? Is it forcing myself into something that doesn't feel good because I think I deserve it. And Hey, we use food to self-punish too, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's like the flogger. Like I'm just going to eat all the, like my donut in the car night. That was like this epic, like consuming of things. It was very much like this is going to make me feel like crap. And I deserve to feel like crap right now. So I'm eating this because I, this is, this is what I deserve in my life right now is this like way of making myself feel horrible. So it, there's so much around food and we can begin to shift it a little bit at a a time by really that first step, allowing Allowing that pull to food to be an invitation to just pause for a moment, just greet it. Hello, here you are. And if you do nothing more than just take a breath, you've done something good for yourself, right? Mm -hmm. If you let it be that invitation to just, especially when it's feeling like the world is so, you know, you're in, you're in burnout mode, you're recognizing that there's just so much on your plate. Um, you can create these mini moments for yourself where you're just taking a breath. And that is a huge success. Whether you eat the thing or not at that point matters less than the fact that you're starting to shift things a little bit by creating these tiny little, you know, moments for yourself um, with an invitation that's going to come. Like if you eat three times a day, 
every day, you know, 21 invitations a week to just pause, even if you accept, you know, half of them or 10% of them, you've inserted more just connected moments than you had before. So um, accept some of them, don't accept some of them. You don't have to accept every invitation that comes across your, you know, in your day, but there, there is an invitation there to use this thing that we once kind of dread these cravings to food mm-hmm. to be the thing that actually is the fuel behind your change that can power your change by recognizing what it could be when you're in those moments. So, um, this stuff gets me excited. This is the stuff when I see (laughs) clients start to shift and be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that this is right here, you know? Um, And that it's a, you don't have to take any food away. You don't have to stop eating what you love. You don't have to introduce any kinds of weird superfoods that you actually don't want to eat. You can do this with whatever you have available to you right now um, because you have to eat as long as you're alive, you have to eat. So the invitation is always there. I love it. This just makes so much more sense and feels so much kinder at a time when, as you've said so many times, we need nourishment and and we need compassion. And as, you know, cringy as it may be to some folks, (laughs) we need love and we need to really start with that. You know, what is that loving thing I can do for myself? a lot of the the conversations that I've had around making decisions about like what to eat and, and what plan to follow and should I do 75 hard or because I've done it and I've shared it publicly that I've done it. You know, a lot of folks struggle to know if that really is the kindest, best thing for them or, or what action to take. And Irene was sharing that she's got some great guiding principles. And I was like, oh my gosh, we've got to share these. So Irene, take it away. What are these guiding principles? When do we apply them? How does that work? I encourage you to think about this like a system of self-governance, right? So you are using some criteria to make decisions about what to do and not to do, what to eat and what not to eat. You're using criteria, whether you're aware of what those are or not, something is guiding your choices. So if we accept that to be true, that something is guiding your choices, let's get intentional about what we're using to guide the choices. And here's a template of what you can use for that. This was um, designed around eating choices, but certainly can apply out, you know, beyond that. So there's three, there's three questions you ask yourself and, and these can be your guide in a moment of choice or in a broader sense where you're sort of making some plans around a bigger thing. And the questions go like this. So number one is how's this working for me? Mm. And it, and it brings it into being attached to you. So not how is it working for the celebrity you pulled it from, or how is it working for your neighbor? Or how is it working for your colleague who lost 20 pounds or your, you know, your friend who's doing this, this run or this program, how's it working for you? And that means how's it working for your body? How's it working for your lifestyle? How's it working for, you know, your mental state, your capacity load, whatever things are important to you at the time you're making the decision, how is this working for you and your life? The second thing is, does it feel good to me? Hmm. So this one really comes in around food because with food, like we've talked about, 
it's not like other, you know, let's call it, we think of these other vices that we need to rid ourselves of, right? It's not like saying, I'm not going to smoke or I'm not going to drink alcohol. You can live your life without those things. Mm-hmm. Maybe it won't be as fun if those are things you enjoy, but you can live without them. You cannot mm-hmm. live without food. You mm-hmm. have to eat. And this is one of the challenges I think that gets people stuck around food is like, I have to eat. So I have to navigate this thing, whether I want to or not. So learning tools like this to guide your eating is important because that is going to carry you because you have to eat the rest of your life. So if you are choosing to eat in a way that sucks for you, you're building suck into your day every day, forever. You're, you're building struggle into your life. So pick something, pick a way of eating that feels good to you. There's a whole range of, you know, ways to be fit, ways to eat, ways to do these things that are good for you. And within there somewhere, there's likely to be something that feels better to you. So pick that one. The last one is, can I imagine myself doing it this way for the rest of my life? Hmm. And now this one's a little trickier when you're looking at a specific, you know, pattern of doing something, you know, committing to some short-term challenge or something like a, yeah, like a challenge or something. So you want to ask yourself, you know, what am I, what am I learning in this? Like, is this something? So when we look at this question, can I imagine myself doing it this way for the rest of my life? What we're really looking at, looking at is what skills or practices are we training in ourselves? Because if we do the diet cycle way, what you've trained to be really good at is going hard for a certain period of time and then stopping and then eating all the things and then going hard again and then stopping and eating all the things. That's the muscle you've trained, right? Mm -hmm. So if it's something like counting calories, it's like, can I imagine myself doing it this way for the rest of my life? Do I really want to train myself to have my eating choices guided by a, by a calorie counter mm-hmm. when or I actually, scale. yeah, or a scale weighing everything or, that goes into your mouth is something I've seen people doing. And I'm like, is this forever? Yeah. <laughs> so this helps you get at sustainability and really think about like, if the answer right away is hell's no, then there's a chance you're embarking on spending your time and energy and focus on learning something that you're not going to continue doing. So Mm -hmm. if you instead could pick something that you can imagine yourself doing for the rest of your life, granted chances you do it for the rest of your life, maybe not, maybe it is more shorter term than the rest of your life, but that question usually brings up for you a pretty clear answer about how much this actually feels good for you and whether you actually wanna do this thing or whether you're for some other reason believing you should do it, but Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to do with, you know, these guiding principles. So how's that working for me? How's this or that working for me? Does it feel good to me? And can I imagine myself doing it this way for the rest of my life? Check in on those things. And it's a great way to help you land at a choice that's likely to be something that is sustainable and and potentially something that could become part of your life moving forward. So thank you. I feel like we could talk about this all day. Oh my gosh. Um, I am really excited for our listeners to be able to connect with you. And I know that um, your links will be in the show notes so they can find them there. And just really quickly, what's your website again, Irene? 
irenepace.com. From there, you can click through and book a discovery call with me if you want to explore some of this. It's, it's no charge. It's a place where we can kind of look at what's going on for you and whether something like this kind of work is a fit or not. It's not for everybody. You know, it's for a particular type of person who is growth-minded and wants to address this more for the long-term versus a shorter-term, you know, drop some pounds. So yeah, reach out and, and I'm happy to respond to anyone in this community. I love this community that you've created. It's been such a, a boost for me, uh, especially now diving into this mastermind. And, um, so I'm super happy to give back in any way, in any way that I can for the ladies here. Thank you. And I know we have some guys listening and, and yes. you know, everyone listens, but um, everyone listens to me think like at least my partner and my mom. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, you know, if you've got your headphones in today and you're listening, thank you for being here. And thank you, Irene. I love your work and the way that you do your work and the way that you make it accessible, whether folks are ready for the one-on-one work with you or not. Just, you know, reading your book, reading your, your work and watching your series on Facebook Live right? I do. Uh, I do a little show called chop talk on Twitch. It's on Twitch, oh, it's on and Twitch. We're putting it up on YouTube. Yeah. But, um, that's a, I've taken a pause for my own capacity issues over the summer, <laughs> yeah. uh, a little kindest loving thing for me as well. But, um, yeah, on Twitch at, uh, at the donatition. So, uh, donatition does chop talk it'll be starting up again sometime this fall and uh it's a place just to gather and talk about this stuff and chop some veggies to do some food prep while you're there so um, i love it thank you again irene i am so grateful for you and uh looking forward to getting to learn even more from you in the future thanks alexis I heard great reviews from so many listeners after the first half of this episode so i'm so excited to connect you with irene Before I share a few things to think about this week, I want to share that Irene has offered a complimentary 30-minute strategy call with the first five listeners to send her an email with the subject line, think about this. So hop to it, email Irene at irene at irenepace.com, and don't forget the subject line, think about this. Before we wrap up, today I invite you to think about this. How might you rewire and pause to respond to an internal call when you're drawn to eating? What will you say to give yourself permission to do things that feel good to you instead of food, but also including food? How might you reset your nervous system? How about pressing pause to breathe, running water over your wrists, or pausing for a moment before opening the fridge? Lastly, Irene shared three great guiding questions for making decisions around eating, training plans, challenges like 75 hard, and others. Number one, How is this working for me? How's it working for my body and for my lifestyle? Number two, does this feel good to me? Number three, can I imagine myself doing it this way for the rest of my life? Unless it's a short challenge or a training plan, in that case, there is a fourth question. Number four, what am I really learning from this? What skills or practices am I learning and training myself on? Thanks again to Irene Pace for this week's episode. You can learn more about Irene and her work and be one of the first five listeners to get a free strategy session by emailing irene at irenepace.com. See you next week.